morning, good morning. Would you stand as we worship the Lord this morning?
You're so good. Jesus, we just want to acknowledge and stand in the greatness that you have, or that you are. Jesus, you are so amazing. Lord, you're the only one that can set us free from our sin. You're the only one that can give us salvation. You're the only one who can bring us into right relationship with God. And that's the greatest gift that we could ever receive, Jesus. You're so good. God, we would be absolutely lost without you. And Jesus, we have such amazing hope and faith because of the sacrifice that you made. We love you, Father. It's your name, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Harvest Church. It's great to have you here. Um, you can take your seat if you'd like. Um, if you're new here, just want to uh, welcome you. And, and uh, just for your information, we have coffee and tea out on the patio. And we've also got water behind us here, um, uh, behind this stage wall. And then uh, bathrooms back there as well. Um, also, if you're here again, if you were here first service, um, you may have noticed that I'm wearing different pants this service. Um, don't, don't tell second service people that I spilled coffee all over them and had to run home and change, okay? That'll just be our secret. Don't tell everybody online, too, who are watching right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's great to have you here. Um, we've got a few things coming up that you should know about, the first of which is the uh, men's breakfast that's coming up. It's this coming Saturday. We're going to have bref breakfast, testimony, awesome time with, with, with the guys. So um, come out. It's going to be on the West Campus, so please join us over there. It's going to be a great time. Also, we've got a family movie night happening on this, on this baby right here. It's going to be pretty sweet, so come check that out. Uh, we also have a pretty amazing sound system. Uh, arguably better than the theater. So, you know, I don't want to cast any shame on them, but it's, it's pretty sweet. So, um, you want to come for that? That's uh, on the 29th. Um, and we've got a little show that we're going to show for the kids first, and then we're going to have a movie after. So, if you've got kids that have bedtimes, you can come for that portion and then um, take them home and put them to bed. So, uh, six to nine. Um, so, we'd love to have you here for that. Uh, and then we've got an amazing uh, beach baptism coming up. That's on August 7th, right? August 7th, yeah. Um, so that's, uh, I don't know if you made it to the last one, but we had like 200 people at the beach. A bunch of people got baptized. Even uh, somebody who was walking by decided to get baptized. Um, so just incredible stuff it's, uh, that God is doing. And so um, we're really excited to get back out there and do that on August 7th. Um, the last thing is that if you have... Uh, kid, fifth grade and up, they're going to be um, released to their classes uh, right now as well. So uh, everybody get up and meet somebody that you've never met before. Say hi to somebody right now. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. 
Good morning. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 today. We'll get about halfway through James today. James chapter 4 and then the uh, rest of it next week and we'll pick it up. But um, so many amazing things are happening around here. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Hey, real quick, real quick, just in case um, you didn't know, the men's breakfast is at 8 o'clock at the loft. So Curtis told you the day and the place, but it's going to be at 8 a.m. and we'll be doing great food and testimony and song. It'll be really, really fun. So at the loft, how many know where the loft is? At the other campus, there we go. Most of us know where the loft is. Cool. So that'll be happening then. So show up. And if you want to help, just get there early. Get there like 7.15 if you want to help. If you want to help more than that, get there at 7 o'clock. If you want to run things, get there at 6 a.m. Just kidding. Welcome. So I was, uh, this feels like springtime to me. There's so many amazing things happening. Um, we've been harvesting all of this fruit off of our trees yesterday. In fact, we've got a tangerine, nectarine tree that is, the, the limbs literally are so full with fruit that the, the branches just broke apart. <laughs> and, uh, and our peach tree, we've got this yellow peach and this white peach tree. The yellow peach tree is so loaded down with fruit that we had to put lumber, like two by six, under to support the branches. There's so much fruit. I called my sister yesterday. I said, man, you got to get over here and gather some peaches. And so we've given so many peaches away. And then I've got this dead spot in my lawn. So I don't know, a week or so ago, I put some seed down and put some nice dirt down, some nice fertilizer down. And so I've been watering. You got to water it like two or three times a day in order for it to grow. And so yesterday morning, I'm out there watering it. And I'm like, man, there's nothing's growing here. And then I watered again like four or five hours later. And all of this all of these grass shoots have come up through the dirt. I mean, I bet if you like stopped and just watched it, you could see the grass come up. It was pretty amazing. So anyway, also the best news ever was that my daughter um, had a baby. Let's throw a uh, little Theo up there. There we go. Theodore J.Y.S. They never tell us what the baby's name is until the baby is born. And uh, so we know that we've got little Theo. So it's Theodore J. We're not sure if he's going to be Theo or TJ or Theodore. I don't know. But it's at the same day, so my daughter, she was due on the 1st, gave birth Wednesday the 13th. Uh, and then my niece 
also had a boy that same day within a few hours of each other. She actually, so my niece Jenna, Jenna was early and my daughter was late. And so we've added two new boys to the clan. And so we're pretty stoked about that. So really good stuff. When he came out, Theo was like this big blown up, you know, his lips were all, you know, my, my daughter said he had Kardashian lips, you know, big old lips. <laughs> And uh, he came out, and he was just, you know, he looked all black and blue. But within 24 hours, he, he looked like that beauty little guy there. So anyway, so we're so, so thankful. And, uh, you know, I had the day off yesterday, and my wife was gone running errands all day. And I, I was just at home. I went for a little, you know, walk and a little run. But I was just at home all day, just really enjoying just the, just the peace at our home. And um, it was just so re- refreshing. And it reminded me, because, you know, we can jump online or watch the news and be pretty discouraged, right? You can be pretty discouraged by looking around at what's going on in the world. But I, I was reminded yesterday that God is so faithful. If we can get our eyes on that reality and keep that truth in front of us, then we will be encouraged. We'll have greater peace in our hearts. And, and God will be glorified in our lives. We've got to keep our eyes on him. Don't be fearful. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just keep your eyes on him. Watch what God will do. Hey, I wanted to give you an update on this. Many people have been asking about this worship center, and they ask, do we own it? Are we uh, leasing it? What are we doing? So we are in a five-year lease with the option to renew on this space. We've talked to the owner, John Hayashi, and John said, hey, I'd love to sell the place to you. So uh, when the time's right, we'll have the opportunity to buy it. But for now... We're in a lease, and just as a reminder, for like 12 years when we were next door, we leased for 12 years before we ended up purchasing that place. And so when the time's right, if it's the Lord's will, we'll own it. I mean, I'd love to own it. It's a beautiful space. We put a lot of money into it, and uh, and uh, so the Lord's will be done. So in the meantime, we're just grateful to be here, and uh, we'll see what the Lord does. So somebody, people have been asking, do we still contribute to the financial expenses? And yeah, yeah, there's still expenses. Like we just had the back lot paved. Did you guys see the paving back there? So people are asking, should we still, yeah, there's still bills to be paid. Yeah, so Apodaca, where are the Apodacas here today? They did an amazing job on that parking lot. And uh, anyway, so if you get a chance to see David and, and uh, Mike and Margaret Apodaca, there's lots of Apodacas here, but tell them thank you. But uh, they did a wonderful job. So anyway, there's lots of expenses still happening. And so if you'd still like to give, we'll happily rejoice and take that. People have been asking, what do we do with the chapel? The chapel is our old worship center. We were in there for 17 years. And um, so our plan is if we need it in going into the fall, summertime, it's always a little sparse and a little not so full. But um, in the fall, if it looks like we need to open that up for overflow, then we, we may do that. But in the meantime, we're using it for weddings and smaller memorial services, prayer groups, midweek Bible studies. There's a lot going on still in that, uh, in that space. So um, anyway, that's just kind of the update. Uh, if you have any other questions, just let me know, and I'll try to address those as well. You can talk to myself or any of the staff or elders, and we'll try to answer those questions for you. So enough of that, let's jump into James chapter 4 with the, with the question, how do we live at peace with others? How do we live at peace with others? With that question and with that thought, let's pray. Lord, we just invite you to speak to us. We really want to live at peace with others, and we know that your word through your spirit, the revelation of your word and the power of your spirit, we can. We act 
absolutely can live at peace with others. And uh, your word, Paul, Paul wrote, when, it, when possible, live at peace with everyone. So, Lord, we, we want that. We know that it's possible. And so I pray that you would instruct us through your word and, and that, God, we'd be able to grab hold of stuff, grab hold of revelation and truth from your word and be listening to the Holy Spirit as he is speaking to us. And, God, that we would get a hold of uh, a nugget of truth that would help us to live at peace with the people in our lives, Lord, spouses, kids, family of uh, neighbors, coworkers. Lord, we just want to be at peace. So, Lord, show us how to walk that out, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we live at peace with others? Maybe a good way to answer that question is to ask this question. What is, what is causing a lack of peace in our relationship with others? I know that for me, when I'm at, uh, with a lack of peace, it's usually because I'm just being selfish. <laughs> like I, I want something that I'm not getting, right? <laughs> if I'm honest, I'm uptight because I'm not getting what I think I should have. There's a lot of selfishness involved in this lack of peace that we experience in relationship with others. And so James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, challenges us with revelation and truth. And remember, he's speaking to believers here. James is speaking to People who believe what we believe, they're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe what we believe about the Lord. They have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and yet there's still stuff going on that needs to be addressed. And so James, he does what he does, man. He takes the bull by the horns, and he just goes for it, and he, and he begins to speak truth to us, speaking the truth in love so that we might, not so that we might feel beat up, but so that we might align ourselves properly with God's plans and purposes for our lives. So the word of God is spoken for our, our, our edification that we might be built up in our most holy faith so we might understand who God has created us to be and the power that's available to us to live out the life that he's called us to live. So James 4, James 4, 1 says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? <laughs> That's the, what's causing this? Like he's speaking to the church. There's obviously some quarreling and some fights. What's causing it? He said, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So there's something going on in the hearts of people that he's addressing in our hearts as well. There's something going on in our hearts that needs to be addressed. They come from the evil desires at war within you. What, what evil desires is James talking about? Well, evil would indicate that the desires within us are not good. They're unhealthy. They're sin. They're sinful desires. Desires would indicate that it's something that we're hoping for, longing for, wanting to have, but we don't have. So we've got these dark desires for things that we don't have. It, it's a bad place to be. It's, it's, an, it's an unhealthy place to be. It, it's a place that causes problems. When we're in this place, we have problems when, it, within our relationships. So uh, this could, you know, James could be speaking to those who are coveting. You know, covet, don't, there seems like there's a, commandment about coveting. Like we shouldn't covet what others have. It's an unhealthy thing for us as the body of Christ. So I mean coveting. We want something that belonged to others in some way, position, status, influence, possessions. We want something that others have, or we want someone's attention or someone's affection could be, I just want my way and I'm not getting it. <laughs> you ever been there? I want my way 
and I'm not getting it. So there's tension in the relationship. There's, there's problems. There's, 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 a, there's, there's something that's unsettled in our souls that needs to be addressed. Quarrels and fights, they come from the evil desires at war within you. That war is a, that, that's a strong word. We're familiar with war. There's a lot of war around us. And so we're familiar with the destruction, the death, the problems surrounding this idea of war. And yet James is saying that there's this war happening within you if you're not careful, if you're not careful to live and think the way that God has called us to live and think that we're going to have this battle forever within our lives. So Peter warns, and we'll get to the verse here in just a moment. He said, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. So we have this battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, we, we have to be aware that this pro- propensity for, for uh, wanting our own way and for wanting our own will to rise up within us. So Peter with James, keep, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. We'll see that full verse in just a moment. So the reality is that there can be no peace with others when we allow this type of evil desire to run roughshod in our lives. And so if we want peace in our relationship with with others, but also with God, we've got to do some business here. We've got to pay attention to what the Lord would be speaking to us. So number one, how do we live at peace with others? We, We need to learn to be content with what we have. Learn to be content with what you have. My wife reminded me of of a story of a friend of ours who was having a really hard time with contentment. She struggled with contentment. And so she made this commitment. She said, I'm not going to go shop for clothes for a full year. Can you imagine? Like, I'm not picking up any articles of clothing for a full year. So she went the full year and she learned something about herself. I mean, so often we're running to get stuff to meet a need within our lives. Like she had plenty of clothes, most likely, and plenty of shoes. And if I were making that commitment, I'd go load up first. I'd be like, get some shoes. And I'd load up and then I'd be like, okay, I'm good for the next year, right? She just made the commitment, hey, I'm going to learn something about this area of contentment that I'm, I'm lacking in my life. And so she made this hard decision, and she honored it. As far as I know, she went a full year without purchasing anything. How do we live at peace with others? We need to learn to be content with what we have. With contentment comes peace. With contentment comes joy. It's interesting Paul talks about contentment, but he said it's a learned behavior. Contentment is learned. It's a decision. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 10 through 14. He said, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11, I love what he writes here. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Not that I was in need... Paul, <laughs> he's, his life is on the line. He's under house arrest, and he's not sure if he's going to live. He's not sure what tomorrow holds, and yet his perspective is, I've got no needs. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So his perspective was, hey, I'm living for God, and so whatever God wants to do with my life, I'm okay with that. And so he's like, I really don't have any needs. I'm fully met 
All my needs are fully met. Under house arrest for his faith and uncertain whether he will live or die. This is Paul's perspective and attitude. In verse 12, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So there's difficulty, but his perspective is for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. So whether I've got a full stomach or an empty stomach, I mean, sometimes we kind of get a little upset with the Lord when we're, we don't have enough to eat. We get a little hangry, right? We get, we're like, what is going on, Lord? Because we, but sometimes the Lord will take us through a season of drought for, of things that we might think we need so that he can teach us a greater truth. There's something that Paul understood about the Lord, that he would be faithful. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, yet true godliness with contentment is great wealth. And then he says what we all know. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. He's saying with the very basics of your life, when, those, when, they're, when they're met, just be content with that. Learn to trust the Lord with that, but it's a learned thing. We have to learn to be content. How do you learn to be content? Well, we must decide to love the right stuff. (laughs) If we're loving the things of the world, we'll never find that place of contentment. But when we're putting our hearts in the right place and loving the right stuff, we will be good. Hebrews 13, 5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. We know from Scripture the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So plenty of times we've all been in circumstances where we've known somebody that passed away and then there's feuding over the inheritance. I mean, inevitably, unless it's like a supernatural experience that the family has, there's feuding over like microwaves and sofas and houses and people... People who otherwise really love and are committed to one another begin to battle over things. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It causes all kinds of problems within culture, within family, within society. James 4 continues. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't, you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So how do we live at peace with others? Number one, we need to learn to be content with what we have. Number two, we need to discover pleasure in eternal things. And that's a battle. We need to discover the pleasure of eternal things. The, the temporal pleasure that we find in earthly things, whether it's possess, whatever it is, they're, they're, they're temporary at best. You get a new car and all that fun kind of begins to dissipate when you got to wash that car, right? Get a new house and it's great until you got to start making that new mortgage payment, right? It's like there's a cost to all of the things that we try to possess. There's blessing when we find contentment and pleasure in eternal things, Eternal things produce lasting pleasure 
and peace. I, I love C.S. Lewis. I quote him often. He says, if I, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. <laughs> he understood something about who he is and what he was created for. I, temporarily, we're here. Like, we've got work to do, and God's gracious, and he includes us in his kingdom work, but this is not our home. We are passing through, and at best, we'll get 80, 90, 100 years, but we have to remember that we are just passing through, and Peter understood that. Dear friends, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. One more C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis, in The Weight of Glory, dated June 8th, 1942, he declared this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he, he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We're, we're far too easily pleased. We, we are easily satisfied by the things of the world that fade and are temporary. When God has eternal pleasures available to us that never fade, they're eternal. They're called eternal because they stay with us for all eternity. Adrian Warnock wrote, he said, the Westminster Catechism asks, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, we most, most of us know, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. He goes on, if any man pleases God, he does that which conduces or helps to bring about most to his own temporal and eternal welfare. Man cannot please God without bringing to himself a great amount of happiness. You see, there's a connection. When we're pleasing God, there's great joy, happiness, and peace within our own lives. For if any man pleases God, it is because God accepts him as his son. And we begin to think about eternal things. We're beginning to understand what eternal things we're talking about. We're, we've been accepted as God's eternal children. We are his sons and his daughters. God accepts him as his son, gives him the blessings of adoption, pours upon him the, the bounties of his grace, makes him a blessed man woman in this life and ensures him a crown of everlasting life, which he shall wear and which shall shine with unfading luster when the wreaths of earth's glory have all been melted away. While on the other hand, he continues, if a man, if a man does not please God, he is inevitably, he inevitably, inevitably brings upon himself sorrow and suffering in this life. So we've got a choice. 
We can find pleasure in eternal things by really valuing what God has done for us. And that's hard sometimes because we think, man, eternity is so far off. Eternity is not that far off. Eternity is not that far off. Some of you are much older than I am, so you kind of get that better than others. But I mean, much older than I am. So, but then the younger, you know, it's just harder. You know, 60's not as old, 70's not as old as it used to sound, right? It's just not. 80 sounds like, that's not too far off. <laughs> From the Desiring God website, I found a brief article titled, Joy is Not Optional, It's Essential. Joy is Not Optional, It's Essential. And there's kind of an interesting t- title here. It's, it, they begin to talk about Christian hedonism. Uh, Christian hedonism is the conviction that God's ultimate goal in the world, his glory, and our deepest desire to be happy are one and the same because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. <laughs> when we think about hedonism, we don't really get this perspective. As a side note, Christian hedonism does not condone the pursuit of worldly pleasure. Rather, it encourages seeking God as the highest pleasure. Back to the article. Not only is God the supreme source of, and we need to hear this, not, a, not only is God the supreme source of satisfaction for the human soul, but God himself is glorified by our being satisfied in him. Therefore, our pursuit of joy in him is essential. It's just part of the Christian life. Christian hedonism claims that the Christian life should be the pursuit of maximum joy in God, joy both in quality and quantity. Fullness of joy and joy forevermore are found only in him. Powerful stuff. King David, I think, got it. King David wrote in the Psalms about this very thing. In Psalm of David Psalm 16, verses 1 through 6, he said, keep me safe, O God. So he knows that God is his protector. God is his place of safety. For I have come to you for refuge, that place of protection. I I said to the Lord, you are my master. So David understood something about the person of God, where God would be his place of safety, his protector, but also God would be his Lord, his leader, his king, I said to you, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Everything, every good thing I have comes from you. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant, is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. So David understood about taking pleasure in eternal things. He knew the gifts and the grace that God had extended to him, and that's where he found pleasure. He had things all around him that could have offered a temporary pleasure. We have things all around us that if we allow, we, you know, they'll offer a temporary pleasure, but they all leave us wanting and empty. But God, he brings us gifts, eternal things that we find pleasure in that will always be a source of pleasure for us. Galatians 5 explains how we discover pleasure in eternal things. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We challenge people to do that all the time. We challenge ourselves to do that all the time, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. We encourage you to Read the word, open it up every day and allow the spirit of God to speak, to instruct, and then invite the Holy Spirit to constantly 
come in and lead in every circumstance, in every scenario. And Paul's saying the same thing. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, if you do that, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So if you're struggling with constantly doing what your sinful nature craves, you got to give the leadership of your life over to the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So dropping down to verse 22, Galatians 5, 22 and 26, a familiar passage to most of us, to all of us, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and we see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. In verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So in Christ, we've given ourselves to Jesus. We've confessed our sin. We've nailed those things to the cross, taking up the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been imputed to us. And now we live, as John 3, 3 says, we live a new life, a born-again experience in Christ filled with his Spirit. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So how do we live at peace with others? Number one, we need to learn to be content with what we have. Number two, we need to discover pleasure in eternal things. I just, for me, I when I need to figure that out, I just open up the word and just allow the spirit of God to speak to me. I mean, there's no, there's no substitute for God's word. We absolutely need it to be speaking into our lives. Number three, much like the first point of last week's message, number three, we must decide, are we living for God or the world? We got to decide who, who are we living for? When we figure that out, when we decide, hey, I'm going to live for Jesus, it kind of clarifies a lot of things in our lives because a lot of times we're kind of wishy-washy, lukewarm, on the fence about things, and so our world is pretty, pretty difficult to live because I, I remember when I was 17, I share the story all the time, 17, I give my life to Jesus, but not all the way. You know, like King Josiah, you know, he had the word of the Lord read to him, and, and he humbled himself, repented. He ripped his clothes because he heard in there, hey, we haven't been doing everything that the Lord has asked us to do. And I realized, man, I hadn't been doing everything the Lord asked me to do. And so I had to decide at 17, am I going to serve the world or the Lord? I got to decide. I'm not happy in the, in the church. I love the church, but I'm not happy there because I'm so involved in the world. And I'm not happy in the world because I'm so involved in the church. And so I had to do something. And by God's grace, uh, he, he led me to choose him. And that's what's been going on for the last few years of my life, and so I'm thankful. We must decide, are we living for God or the world? Again, this letter is written to the church, so there's bickering in the church among the believers. To remind us, James 4, 2 through 3 says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because 
You don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want what will only give you pleasure. So James is challenging very carnal behavior in the church, among the believers. He's challenging very carnal behavior, behavior that is completely contrary to the way God's people are called to live in this world. There are worldly problems in the fellowship of believers because the believers are acting like, well, they're acting like unbelievers. And so when we're acting like unbelievers, we bring problems into our relationships one to another. Why are the believers acting like unbelievers? Because they're torn between God and the world. And they got to decide. We got to decide. We got to make God God in our lives or not. We got to decide. We got to decide, are we living for God or are we living for the world? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. When a person is undecided, their their lives are reckless and uh, unsettled and, 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 and in trouble. James 1, 5 through 8. If you Need wisdom, ask. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in every thing they do. Do you know what God calls people like this? He calls them adulterers. Right in the the word here, James 4.4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and God and the world. And he said, because this is true, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and and he will lift you up. So again, Josiah, he hears the truth and he rips his garments and he's mourning because he's come face to face with the truth, with the reality of his condition. We've not been doing everything the Lord has asked us to do. And so he's broken, humble, repenting for his sins of omission. There's sins of commission, things we do that we shouldn't do. And there's sins of omission, things we don't do that we should do. Josiah understood that. He was, he was missing something and he humbled himself and repented. How do we live with peace with others? We must... We need to learn to be content with what we have. We need to discover pleasure in eternal things. We must decide, are we living for God or the world? And so, where are you at? Where's your heart? Are, are you all in? Are you just feeling unsettled in your soul because you're kind of lukewarm and not all the way in? 
not all the way out. You like church, but you like the world. You like God, but you also like everything that the world offers. What, where's your heart? This is a challenge. It's an opportunity. And God said in his word, if you will draw close to God, if you will come close to God, he will come close to you. So I'm just inviting you to come close to God today. Draw close to him. Make your decision to follow him. Everything in your life will become so much better at your relationships. You'll, you'll have peace with one another because you're not living in competition, anxious, you know, wanting what others have, but you're just going to be at peace with who God has made you to be and with what God has given you. You'll be satisfied with the eternal pleasures that God has made available, that you're, you're adopted into his family. Your sins are forgiven. You, you become his child. He's given you eternal things to be grateful for. So I just want to challenge us today. we got to decide who are we. What will we do? Will we live for God or will we live for the world? With that, let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And, Lord, as we consider those questions and as we consider the Scripture that we've been reading and talking about, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would... God, she'd show us where we've maybe been undecided. And like Josiah, Lord, we will humble ourselves. And we will repent and we will confess, Lord God. Lord, thank you that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You bring us face to face with truth for our edification, for our good and for your glory. So Lord, Help us to be grateful that you bring us face to face with truth so that we can align, properly align ourselves with you, aligning our lives with your word, being filled with your spirit, experiencing the peace of God and the grace of God, better relationships with one another and an incredible relationship with you. So we invite you to do that. Lord, as we sing, God, help us to ponder and meditate and make decisions today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
the king of